Morning everyone and welcome to the Fife Property Show this Saturday. My name is Richard Cook and joining me today is Mr Jim Parker. Good morning Jim. Alrighty, good morning, just in the door. Just to say, Gal, you've been busy this morning. Yes, it's like, <laughs> it's like, see when you go out for a walk, mm -hmm. everyone, their dog wants to speak to you and that's fine, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, however, I tend to rub it on quite a bit. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, then I realised it's like, oh my god, I'm going to be late. <laughs> I wondered you're usually uh, on time, but right. anyway. So today's topic is um, sold with tenants and the benefits, obviously, of that. And then sometimes, uh, the, sometimes the benefit of not um, investigating the tenant properly, because I mean, you could inherit a tenant that maybe can cause you issues. And this is a landlord checklist for buying tenanted properties. Um, so quite a good one mm -hmm. to kick off this morning um, and as a fast and chain free way to start or add to your lettings portfolio, buying a tenanted property can be an attractive proposition. Now usually when you buy a property to rent out, you need to have it cleaned, fixed any repairs, get it on the market, show people around, take up references and create a tenancy agreement before seeing any income but it's all taken care of when you buy a property that already has a tenant. However, you also inherit every outstanding responsibility of the previous landlord. And you need to be sure that the property and the tenancy are all as they seem. And I think that's the most important thing. Um, buying a tenanted property is great. You've got instant income if the tenant's there. Um, they're already established in that uh, property. But I think if you don't do your research and your due diligence beforehand, you might end up inheriting a tenant that may be problematic, won't pay rent, and, and, and the property itself as well. I mean, you need to make sure that when, when someone's living in a property, it's easy for you to view it possibly and maybe overlook problems that you wouldn't see when it was empty um, and things that could be reoccurring and costly as well. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I spoke about it this morning. I did a wee introduction at 8.30 just to say yeah. that, you know, um, why reinvent the wheel as well? You know, it's sold with tenants, so, you know, it's an easy gig if, if you've got current income coming in, but it's the pitfalls to watch out for. It's exactly what you said. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of pitfalls, and we're going to talk about it further just now. Um, but, but you know, definitely, um, you, you do inherit a lot of outstanding responsibilities as, um, from the previous landlord. I've done it myself recently, haven't I? You know, um, yeah. I took over one in Cooper, and, uh, and there was, hey, wait a minute, we took over one in Cooper. This is what gets me. We yep. took it over from an existing letting agent in Cooper and it never had any ICR and it never had a gas certificate. And it, the smoke detectors and heat detectors weren't all in place. It's no. like, this guy, this guy's been going for years. I know. Since I've been going as well. He's been going for about 20 years and he has no idea, which makes me think uh, everybody else is he's managing for, he's not doing anything for them at all either. Yeah, that is concerning. Obviously, you passed that one across to us and we're like, well, it needs this, it needs this, it needs this. And you're like, God, this has been managed for several years so yeah it should the thing is, somebody's actually paying that guy to do it I know. that's what gets me yeah i, I mean you're maybe paying I, i've no doubt it's something like eight percent or something like that. you're maybe paying eight percent and that's fine and it's like oh i'm getting a cheap fee but they're not doing anything <laughs> yeah i think that that is really reflective and and obviously the fee i mean people do look at a, a cheaper fee and think oh i'm getting it cheap but then you're paying for what you get i think yeah, in that aspect you pay peanuts you get monkeys yes right i would totally agree um so yeah, and that brings us on to our first topic, which is uh, research uh, funding options. Uh, now, researching funding options. Now, even if you're considering, even if you're considering buying with cash, uh, it's worth checking to see if your money could 
perform better elsewhere, particularly with low rates of borrowing. Uh, you'll find plenty of lenders with buy-to-let products, but mortgages for rental properties are not the same as residential loans. And I think that's obviously, I mean, we think that's, to us, that's obviously um, a given, but maybe people that are new to it didn't understand that there's differences between buying a residential and obviously a buy-to-let. Mm -hmm. They tend to come with additional fees and some lenders won't lend on certain types of properties. And I think obviously you need to look at the construction of the property. We've had that in yeah, the past, absolutely. obviously. Um, so speak to a financial advisor with experience in the lettings market to find the mortgage that's right for you and the property. Lenders typically require the rental income to be at least 125% of the monthly mortgage payments on a buy-to-let loan. And they usually calculate the loan based on the rental value at the time rather than the, the that rather than the rent being paid, you almost certainly won't get a mortgage on a home with a sitting tenant because lenders see this as far too risky. And if you borrow, if you want to borrow for this sort of purchase, you'll need to remortgage another property. Now, Jim, this is something you've done a lot over the years, so we're good to get a bit of insight for you on obviously buy to let purchases and obviously mortgages and things. I think you obviously uh, you've quite experienced in that in that field and done it, like I say, and and a lot recently. You've got a lot of new stuff recently in building your portfolio. Eight, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm going to see number nine tomorrow. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the research funding options is quite uh, crucial here. Um, yeah. You've really got to check to see. You've got to check to see if your money's performing better as well. I always cite the classic example about your money performing better. I have a mortgage on my house, okay? Yeah. And folk are going, why on earth have you got a mortgage in your house? Surely you'd want to pay that off. And it's like, the mortgage is only 1.69%. Yeah. And it's interest only. It goes way back to before the credit crunch. So they actually can't change it because the term of the loan was for 20 or 30 years. So mm -hmm. every single five or six, you know, two or three or five or whatever it's fixed for, they have to then come back to me, the Clydesdale Bank, and say, well, do you want to extend it and do you want to go into a new product? Um, but we still have to give you interest only because it was our commitment. So why would I want to pay off 1.69% in funding? At 130 grand if I can use that to buy several buy-to-let properties and yeah. make 15% net return or even 10% net return. So every single pound I'm getting, I'm making an 8% return differential on it yeah. for what I've got with that, with that funding. So, you know, you've got to look at your money, research these funding options and see how much. It's amazing as well when you think about it. I tell you what, flats are going exponentially up in value. Um, you know, for landlords that are out there, I've got a portfolio and you've got flats still sitting in your portfolio just now. You're thinking, ah, well, it's awfully depressed now. No, it's not. Um, you need to contact us probably. We could do an assessment on your properties, uh, see where you are in terms of the level and value of properties and see where your loan to value is because potentially you could release a lot more money. And, and as well, even if, you, if you've been stuck in years in some mortgage products like I have been, you know, one or two have actually been stuck with, and they're extortionate rates, um, you can get rates at like 3.8% at maximum. Um, mm. They're now with a limited company. And your own name, you could probably get them about 2.9 or 2.5 for a couple of years fixed. Um, so there's there's lots of opportunities out there to research your funding options first before you start that journey. There's plenty of lenders out there doing buy-to-let products. Yeah. Kessa was tell, uh, making a, a broadcast of the day saying, uh, I think it could be the Nat West have done away with the income criteria. So the £25,000 minimum income uh, requirement uh, for earnings uh, doesn't exist anymore for the uh, NatWest. So he's that's just, uh, aye. So that's, th this is all coming and I'm going, well, what's going to happen next? There's going to be 90% mortgages <laughs> and 100% mortgages. And then, and he went, oh, 125. And it's like, well, that's the Northern Rock and that's how they're no longer here. Eh? 
But yeah. but I always say if you give a lender an, enough rope, they'll hang themselves. Because basically, you know, it's the classic example. They just want to keep pushing as much as but their their jobs to sell sell finance. That's it, really. Yeah. And and if you're not going to curtail them with a the legislation, because let's be honest, the legislation doesn't curtail them because you know short selling and all the rest of it still goes on. Um, yeah. And also packing up mortgage products. Have you seen the big short uh, or the big, um, yeah, I think it is the big short. Big short um, yeah. Packaging, um, you know, substandard mortgages with other good mortgages is still happening. You know, that still goes on subprime. Um, it's just that it's done in a different term. Um, and lenders will try as much as possible to give you as much as possible for that purpose. Um, you know, even the Bank of Scotland, for example, they were citing to me a one million facility. We'll give you one million, you know, but you have to fund fifty percent of that, and uh, and then we'll you, we'll borrow you the rest. Well, that's dropped down to five hundred thousand now that the bank's mm-hmm. got. So they're getting they're they're they need to get more and more market share or more and more finance out there and more and more return on their money for their shareholders. So they're 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 they're, they're falling into the trap again, but but they don't notice it. It's happening because. It's the difference between what happened three years ago and where it is now. You can see that stark reality and the stark difference. But if you're moving it at the goalpost every single day, um, you don't actually see that at all. Um, So so definitely research funding options. It's also your tolerance as well to um, your risk. You know, whether you want to go to 75% loan to value. There's some Mm -hmm. people there that just want to do 60% or 50%, uh, depending on what you're buying. But again, that comes down to numbers. Um, that comes down to how much you're renting it for, how much you're financing it. If it's an interest only, it's for capital repayment. What your expected occupancy rate is in the area, what your overheads are going to be on running that property, uh, depending on what type of tenure you've got in it. Whether it's a student let, whether it's a holiday let, whether it's mainstream residential renting. So all these come in to researching your funding options in the in the beginning. It's not just a case. Um, uh, it's a really an exact science when you come down to getting the right facility and the right product for what you're actually doing that's really what it comes down to uh, by the way if there's anybody you know for people watching if you want to ask on the spot any questions of this this issue that we're talking about please feel free to comment and please feel free to message us um we're more than happy to take questions live yeah i was just going to say obviously it's all about understanding the entire concept of it and researching whether it's right for your circumstances and i think a lot of what you've just made you made a lot of good points here jim and I think, but a lot of that to some people will be totally alien and they will only understand it. So I think it's important that if you don't, you come to somebody like yourself or us or, or a financial advisor who really knows their stuff and gets the proper advice for you and your circumstances. Yeah, well, well I, do my, I do my 45 minute intro to people, you know, yeah. with Zoom. I had somebody last week actually contacted me and says, oh, I was thinking about buy to let. And I went, well, I can give you 45 minutes. And he went, well, really, I kind of know what I'm doing. I've got one or two properties. And he, <laughs> I was like, Oh dear! I says you don't know what you don't know, and yeah. uh, and and then he went into well, I, I kind of do, and it's like you've only got two properties, pal. I've got fifty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I think, and I've got thirty years behind me, so yeah. I think I might be doing something uh, you're maybe not doing, or you maybe don't know about. It's the key here about you don't know what you don't know. That's another yeah. important thing as well. And there's great knowledgeable people out there beating that track the now and uh, and following that path the now, like Stephen, like Sam. Um, like Kessa, um, yeah. like Nick, you know, all these people are out there uh, blazing that trail just now and uh, and making making what we've done before 
in the last 30 years, more honed and developed and actually taken it to just a different level. Mm. It's, it's like, you know what I liken it to? It's, and this is a good analogy. It's like Pete Waterman when he first started the Stoke Aitken and Waterman, the hip factory. Mm. And he he systematized the whole process of making hip makers uh, and bringing all these people in. And then Simon Cowell came along and went, I think I'm going to put this on television and broadcast it worldwide, the whole process. Yeah. And he just took that, what he did, to a completely different level. And and that's kind of how some of these guys are doing today in the buy-to-let market. I think, like you say as well, success leaves clues. So, I'm willing to learn from them. I'll tell yeah. you what, I'm willing to learn from them. There's a lot of good advice out there, and we're learning that every single time. Always be a student. That's one of the most important things. Mm -hmm. The day always you think you've that. arrived, and the day you trade your passion for glory is the day it's all over for you. I think that's important to always realise that every day is a learning curve, and, and, and in this industry, I think, and, and especially by to let things, it's it's very important to know that you're always learning, and there's always more to learn. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, just to skip back, you mentioned when you were talking there about flats. Uh, do you think the interest in flats is due to the lack of housing for first-time buyers? Absolutely, you've hit the nail on the head. That's what it is. Um, yeah. You know, a, a typical first-time buyer. If you're earning twenty thousand pound a year as a single first-time buyer, when you think about the logic, if you're only getting twenty grand a year, I'm saying only that is quite a lot of money still. Yeah. Um, you're only you're getting twenty grand a year. You can get four and a half times at the maximum your multiplier. So you're you're only getting up to ninety thousand. Yeah. If houses now, you know, Park Drive um and in Glenrothes and that they're all now beyond that in the hundred thousands and a bit more and and you're having to pay a lot more over the home report value which is what the market's like just now because the limited supply is in there then it's clearly obvious first-time buyers are having to go for flats yeah. um, and that's why i believe in the next two years flats will be the ones that will rise exponentially more than actually the appreciation you'll get in in um in houses um and detached and terrace um yeah. because of that which is good because I think flats have kind of um, declined slightly just because of the popularity of well, two, three, four. They always, do. they always do. When interest mm -hmm. rates drop like a stone, you know, and finance becomes more readily available for first time buyers, that's a classic. You know, I, there's no, there's, I mean, look at the one I've just bought in Balgarve. Okay, I yeah. bought it in Balgarve and then I looked at the titles. I bought it for 68000 um, and it's exactly the same property as this guy bought before me, and he'd fallen out of love with it. I bought it for sixty-eight thousand. Then I looked at the titles, and he bought it in the credit crunch for ninety-five thousand. Yeah, but that's yeah. A reflection of the value of the property. There was yeah. another one, you know. Look at the one in the towers and leaving. You know, I bought yeah. that for thirty-six thousand, and in the peak of the market, that was bought for fifty-five. Yeah, and that's a good one. It'll return again. It's it's cyclical. It's over years. I, I mean, we could say it's every ten to fifteen years, and and you and I didn't think that would happen, mm -hmm. but lo and behold, we're we're almost back round about the fifteen year mark again from when yeah. the credit crunch happened. So, are we going to see something happen in the next couple of years? Well, who knows? Um, I've got my predictions um, based on what it is now, but but don't buy flats for short term gains. Buy flat long term, term, long term, <laughs> long term income, steady income. I tell you what, it'll give you a better income on a more steady basis than it does investing in, in the stock market just now. Because, you know, companies are volatile with their dividends up and down and up and down. Sometimes they're not paying at all just now. And the risks involved with um, the furlough system, with everything, the way it's going in the economy. Um, but you're always getting money paid. Morning, James. How are you? Morning, um, James. 
always getting money paid every single month almost if you've got a spread portfolio in terms of what you're doing. And when I talk about spread portfolio, I'm mm -hmm. talking about maybe maybe uh, four or five properties. So you could buy four or five properties, one goes down, and you've got four still earning for you. So you have nothing to worry about. Um, whereas if you put all your money into one property, and let's take the example, St. Andrews, um, mm -hmm. it's a huge price in comparison. I mean, you could buy four four flats and leave them in metal area for the same price yeah. you could buy one in St. Andrews for. Um, so I would rather spread my risk because there's more demand in the leaving area than the potential is in St. Andrews. And St. Andrews is in a volatile market because it's based on one thing and, and almost one thing only as students. Yeah, student market for that. Um, and and there's no surprise, uh, Morgan Sindel has actually um, got the contract to, over the next five years to build a new student accommodation down at the front in East Sands. Right. You know, so that's all going to get popped up. That's all going to pop up as well. Um, and all the all these students are going to suit out the system. But, but you know, St. Andrews will probably grow as a natural byproduct to that. But it's just, it's just your, appetite, your appetite for where your money should go. Um, and, and, but then you're spreading your risk over more property, therefore likely you're going to get more income out of it. I mean, how much would you get for a two-bedroom flat in St Andrews? You're talking about £1,100, £1,200. So how much would you get for four two-bedroom flats in Leaving in Methyl? Um, well, obviously, two-bedroom flats Leaving Methyl, you're talking 450 475 each. So, so you're 1500 so you've got potential of 1,500 um, and you've got it spread over four different properties. So if yeah. one goes down, you've still got three quarters of that running or you've got the potential of one property producing how much? 900 to 1,000, 1,100 yeah. or thereabouts, yeah? And one property. And and you think it's as safe as houses in terms of your rent income. Your money is as safe as houses because houses will appreciate over a long term. But your uh, short-term income that comes in is only dependent on one person. You know, one, one or two tenants. Well, two tenants, that's it, because you can't get HMO of anything over two people that are unrelated. It's the classic thing about putting your eggs, all your eggs in one basket, really. Um, St. Andrew, uh, James is saying, St. Andrew only works if you can add significant value and pull enough out vitally at six or seven through the rest of five. Yeah, and that's the point of the thing of us, the gym is making. Although we've system. got we've got an investor that bought St. Andrew's, but they've also bought Leaving a Methyl. So yeah, so right, yeah, that's true. I'm just and it's a good mix. It's a good mix. I mean, I do it myself. You know that. I mean, I've got yeah. people um, um, are lecturers from the university and also retirees from the university living in Cooper. Yeah. Uh, but I also deal um, uh, with uh, universal credit and uh, Bethel area, you know, yeah. or the uh, Glenrothes area um, and professionals as well in that area as well, people that are working. So it's a spread of your portfolio in order to make sure that income is generated and make sure that comes in. Yeah, definitely. I think that that brings us nicely to the next topic, which is um, crunch the numbers. And I think, yeah, obviously, I think probably a lot of what you've just covered there, Jim, um, but crunch the numbers obviously is quite um, important. And uh, doing a bit of homework around the sustainability and suitability of a potential rental investment will help you make a confident and savvy purchase. Um, firstly, check current rents and demands. Uh, talk to a local agent about rental prices, ongoing demand and reputation of the area and the types of people you want to live there. You need to know that you are buying in a location where homes are easy to rent, particularly if you're unfamiliar with the neighbourhood. I think, yeah, that's a very important one to obviously research an area where you're buying a uh, property, especially a buy-to-let, of course. Um, see it for yourself. Now, I know obviously a lot of investors um, like to just do purchases and that's, that's what we're here for and I do that for a lot of people and obviously 
view it on their behalf. And some some investors don't actually see it physically for themselves. But we now have took people around on virtuals and things and, and advised them whether it's a good buy to let. And I think that if you've got somebody in the area who's got their finger on the pulse and knows it, then that's handy as well. But um, it might sound blindingly obvious, but it's essential to visit the property you're buying, even if it's purely for investment. Now, mortgage valuations don't include testing the heating, the hot water or appliances. So you need to know whether everything is working correctly or if repairs, replacements and bills are on the horizon. And I think if you're uh, an investor who's out of the area, then if you've got somebody in the area who could do that for you, then I think it's just as, just as good, especially somebody who's got the experience to know, right, obviously, this is going to need um, repaired or this is going to be a cost further down the line or this is in good order and working fine in terms of like heating and the, the plumbing and, the, and things as well. And walk around the neighbourhood. Spend some time exploring the area to get a good feel for it. Check for yourself how long it takes to get to the supermarkets, the stations, somewhere for coffee, schools, and whatever else a tenant would expect from the type of property you are considering. And I think that comes down to your, your target tenant, really. And I mean, obviously, different types of properties in different areas. St Andrews, is, uh, a lot of the time, is going to be um, for students. Um, and then, obviously, um, Property that's closer to maybe train stations and things for your working professionals commuting. You need to kind of weigh that up and say, right, this is who my target tenant is. I yeah. mean, it might not always be the tenant you end up with, but you've got to have that in mind and make sure that the property and the surroundings facilitate that tenant, that specific tenant's needs. Um, I mean, do you, when you're purchasing property, Jim, do you take that into consideration all the time, or do you kind of know? Obviously, you, you're familiar with a lot of areas in Fife, anyways. So you think if I'm buying here. You'll know, off the, you'll know off the cuff that this is going to be the type of tenant I'm going to get here because of what's in the area and what's available. Yeah. It is, it is understanding the dynamics of everything in the area and how it all fits in and yeah. what the, what the um, where the income's coming from and where how much demand there is in the areas. But you'll know that as well. I mean, you know, yeah. you've, been, you've been operating this for um, 10, 10, 11 years now. Years, yeah. um, so you're, you're kind of a seasoned veteran now. <laughs> Have a yeah. go yeah. I'm getting still, still 20 years younger than me. You might catch up one day, by the way. <laughs> um, but but it is it is doing your homework about um yeah, suitability and sustainability. But then you can make this really easy and just go to a letting agent. Um yeah. and, and actually just, you know, we make this easy for people and just, they just come to us and say, you know, what, what am I looking for? Well, this is the one probably to buy. And and if some people are are smart enough, and I will say smart enough to say, I'm buying it. Um, yeah. perfect and and they'll make money out of it whereas other people are just like oh they're still cautious they still think it's the wrong thing and it's like you don't understand as an investor because you don't understand this market whereas we do understand it completely because we've been operating in it for so long yeah. it's, and, it, and it's that level of trust you have to have in the, in the other person that you're asking to invest your money in to buy a buy to let and I've heard a lot of people say about crunching the numbers and they're going what? I actually heard somebody the other day, I'm sure it was the other day I was speaking to someone, and they said to me, but if I buy a vital property, I could lose everything. And I'm like, all right, okay. When have you when have you when have you um, realized that a property actually loses everything? Yeah. It never, even no, in the credit crunch, property has only lost 20%. Yeah. So how how on earth do you get up with the 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 mental process about you know I'm I could lose everything? I mean, you can't lose everything. All you can do is lose a bit of money because you maybe think it's no for me now and sell it on. Yeah. And you might, at this point in time, if you keep it for six months, you probably sell it on as a profit. 
<laughs> I know. The way the market's going to now. I mean, I'm, I bought, I, I've sold houses for somebody and they've put it back on it. And, and it's all, we're only talking about a year's difference. And there's about £50,000 differential in the price that's gone up just in a year. And it's, and I'm like, I, I, it blows my mind the way the market is the now. But there is no surprise. So crunch the numbers, definitely. I've actually quite interesting. I was looking at the mortgage works there the now. As a buy-to-let limited company, a five-year fixed rate deal is 3.74% as a limited company. And yet in your own name, a five-year fixed rate a five-year fixed rate deal is 2.39%. Uh, so there's there's almost a 1.5% differential there. Um, between yeah. buying it in your own name and buying it as a limited company. But then that's a taxation issue. You've got to remember. Um, yeah. so, you know, if you're a really a basic rate taxpayer um, and and you're, you're never going to go into a higher rate and this isn't going to push you into a higher rate, then you buy in your own name. Yeah. You also buy in your own name for capital gains purposes because just now you got a huge allowance, which is 12500 in terms of a capital gains allowance. Now, that might actually disappear. And the Office of Tax Simplification, I've always said this, uh, put out a white paper in November last year to the Chancellor to say that um, we should simplify the capital gains system. And we've got an article on it before, and we did a show on it before as well. Yeah. So if you look back, if anybody wants that article, please feel free to message us direct, and we will give you a copy of that article about what that Office of Tax Simplification said. But in a nutshell, it said, and it worked out, that if you've bought a property after to the year 2000, if they change the system to what they're proposing and the, and the new regime um, for capital gains to change it to the income tax, you will be indexed. So therefore, you will be worse off because they're wanting to take away, um, if not reduce at the minimum, um, the capital gains allowance to 5,000. And they might actually do away with it completely. So you could end up losing thousands if you don't get your tax planning right. Um, and you don't do it right, um, so it's it's a you know it's a difficult it's a difficult thing you've got to manage and you've got to understand. And again, that's why people come to us. I was you just going to say, I was just going to say it's about understanding it correctly. And I think, and if you don't speak to speak to somebody who's in the know and, and somebody who, oh God, I've got to I've got to understand it. I yeah. mean, there's no way I'm putting myself in somebody else's hands who maybe doesn't have a full knowledge of the how the market works and how it interacts. Um, I should write a book on this, <laughs> um, and, uh, and 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 all the dynamics that come into place, and it is almost like getting the moon and the stars and the sun and the the Saturn and Pluto all to is Pluto a planet anymore? Probably not. Yeah, right? um, to get all to align at the same time, but if you get them to align at the same time, your quid's in. It's a formula. Mm -hmm. Hence yeah. the reason why since January I've bought eight properties and I'm going on my ninth tomorrow because the planets have aligned and now is the time. Yeah, and the numbers work, and it makes sense. So, um, yeah, I totally agree. James is uh, commented again, just getting back there, I think it's to um, area. So portals are getting better at listing local amenities, and then check Google Maps for additional things that have been missed, and then take a drive by. Yeah, I think, obviously, technology and Google Maps and things does allow you to, to physically be in a street and look around. Um, but I think uh, to do that in person or have a, a, somebody in person do that is, is quite good as well. Yeah. Uh, and that's, like I say, what we're here for. Can I can I say something flippant? Um, yeah, you've got a letting agent who could do all that for you. Yeah, so, well, that's not that so James. Not. James, why have a dog and bark yourself? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and I think um, bringing us on the obviously the topic of obviously purchasing a property with a tenant, um, it's important to obviously talk to the tenants that are currently in the property, um, and I think that is really important because the. 
tenants that are there will give you a good insight into the actual property itself and, and, and allow you to see whether you're making the right purchase and whether they are the right tenants to purchase with sitting in the, the, the property. Yep. Um, here it says there's nothing like living in a home to know what it's like. So ask if you can speak with the tenants direct. This could be in person, over the phone or by email. As well as giving you an idea of their character, you'll learn about their experiences of living in the property and whether they plan to stay. I mean, that's an important thing. I mean, you could think, God, I'm purchasing a property here, I've got a, lot, I've got a long term sitting tenant, but in their mind, they could be thinking, I'm leaving in a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're going to have all that expensive relet. Um, I think it's important to give stability to the tenant, actually, when you're purchasing yeah. it, the fact that, and going to meet them. Uh, going to meet them is a key point here. Um, classic for me is let's talk about North Street. You know, yeah. I, I mean, can I just talk about the saga with North Street? You know, yeah, yeah. We, we brought, North Street was my very first property I bought on for, I brought on for a landlord all these years ago when I started doing property letting for other people. Yeah. Um, and she'd had it rented all this time, but she just, you know, it makes a sense for her to get out. And it's like, I have been successfully for the past four years, like having a marching band doo -doo 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 -doo, up and down the street saying, you need to buy this property. It is a great earner. Please, somebody buy it. And mm. you know yourself, two or three people have actually gone, oh, I'm going to commit to buying it. And they've committed. And oh, no, I'm not going to buy it now. And I'm going, this is nuts. Who mm. is not buying this property? What for? This is crazy. It doesn't make sense. This guy is in there earning money for you every single month. Are you wanting to reinvent the wheel here? Because it's it's ready made it's ready made money. And it's almost like too good to be true. Yeah. To the point that I thought, right, I've had enough. I'm ready to buy. And, and, and I went in and I met him. And he's absolutely fantastic. He's been Brilliant. there for four or five years. His money gets paid on time every time. He had even put new fittings onto the sink. I put new and he had even improved the property. And I'm like, what? This guy is. This guy's come from heaven. <laughs> this has just fallen into my lap. And it's like, I could not believe that. And yet no one out there could get that completely. And it's, what is it earning? Three, seven, five a month? Three seven five three seven three. Yeah, what do I buy it from? Thirty six thousand, and I never got stamp duty because you're under forty thousand. You're under the forty. I know that was a really good one, and um, I think uh, him as a tenant. I mean, he's there long term, and I, I reiterated that to so many potential uh, buyers and investors that this was a really good buy. The tenants in place. We obviously managed it, so we know. We know. That's a twelve point five percent gross yield. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't have vlog on that one actually. A way back when it first came on the market, I thought this is because obviously I was trying to pitch it with a tenant in place because ideally we were wanting to keep him in, in there because he was such a good tenant. And I, I put it out there and and I got some feedback, but people just didn't. I just didn't think the the, the grass the uh, the the they didn't get it, do they? Yeah, they didn't get it. It's like it's the classic example I always used to get. You can't get hair off a toad. You can't <laughs> push jelly, You can't nail jelly at the wall. You can't. You know. But you can't teach a broke person to be rich. That's yeah. the reality. Um, because they they just got that broke mentality. So trying to convince people that this is what they should buy, they just don't didn't get it. The, the, and it's all down to trust. So I thought, to hell with it, I'm going to buy it. And lo and behold, one of the people came back to me and says, oh, I wish I'd bought it now. And I'm like, what? Did I, it take you to buy it before you would think you would buy it? It's like, I told you, buy it. Yeah. James is saying he said that he was meaning before he even viewed or just to get an idea, but we knew that James then. But yeah, and, and right, I'm just having I'm just having a laugh at everybody else's extent. I um I actually had somebody come back to me about that one as well and think, oh I should have put I should have bought it. And I'm like, well, you're too late now. 
I, I'm kind of glad. I'm glad you got it because we've kept the tenant. He's he's now kind of secured there long term. He's not planning to go anywhere. Uh, so it worked out well for everybody. Um, that's but, it, it, it makes no difference. Even if he goes somewhere, it doesn't matter. I'll just fill it with someone else. It's right prime on the high street. It's, it's, right, it's going to yeah. be. It's going to be right across from the train station. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have a one bedroom flat that I bought for thirty six thousand right across from the train station. Yeah. I, I, hello, uh, you know, I, I wonder if that appreciate in value. Um, <laughs> and even if it doesn't, it doesn't, it's still earning four and a half thousand pounds a year top line rent. Yeah. 12.5% gross return. I've not, I've not mortgaged it yet, but the valuation I'll get in six months time is 50,000 pounds because flats have gone up exponentially. Mm. I'll mortgage it by account and I buy to let mortgage 75% of 50,000 pounds, which will be, and uh, I think it's 35,000. I bought it for 36 yeah. and I'll get 35,000 back out. Mm -hmm. So I'll have a, a grand in and I'll yeah. still be earning money with it. Happy days, eh? I'm trying to argue with those figures. So, um, yeah, so just to continue, if the tenants are thinking of leaving, find out why. Perhaps they simply need more space or they are moving further away. But if it's down to issues with the property, you might be able to salvage the tenancy by addressing any concerns. Good tenants are worth holding on to, so it's worth discussing whether they'd stay if the property was better cared for or more up to date. Talk about any repairs and improvements they'd like to see to save losing them unnecessarily. A simple paint job, installing a decent shower or replacing a dated fridge can make all the difference to someone's daily life and are benefits to your tenant will be happy to pay extra rent. And I think as simple things like maybe just a lick of paint or maybe their, their shower is temperamental and putting a new shower in, Things that cost a couple of hundred pounds could really make a tenant's life much better and make them so much happier. And I think, like you say, doing that introduction to current tenants that are in properties if you're buying it gives them that reassurance that this is the person that's going to be looking after me or, or who's going to be in charge for paying for repairs and things and, and build and then start to build that rapport and, and trust to them. Um, and like exactly like what you've done with this guy that you were just talking about. It's also simple things like even changing the shower head. Yeah. You'd be amazed how many you'd be amazed how many properties I walk into and, and the, the, the shower head and the, the oh. pipe that supplies it is all burst and broken and everything like that. And they've not got a decent shower. I tell you what, I've, you know, for me in the morning, having a decent shower is is a is a big thing. Yeah. I mean, you know yourself if you go into a hotel and the worst thing ever you can get is flimming this grip effectively it's like oh god uh, you know you're kind of trying to get yourself under it and <laughs> and maneuver and it's like you know it's it, it spoils the whole experience so do you imagine what that does for a tenant just yeah. with that simple thing so change the damn shower you know yeah. make sure you have all these wee things sorted out and, and 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 yeah talk to the tenants and get them get them get them on side yeah. i mean i've gone through a major upgrade on one of my other properties because the tenant was like right i'm leaving it's like, I'm sick to death. And it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What, what do you mean you're sick to death? I'm sick to death of what? And then we, we found out it was like, oh, well, there was this and there was that. Oh, well, fine, I'll change the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, I'll put double glazing in, no bother. I mean, you know, at this point in time, all these things just add value to your property. Yeah. So I've done that. And then, you know, I'm, I'm in a position now where the property has increased dramatically. I could I could actually change the mortgage if I want and, and release all that money back out and then go and do the same thing again. So I've actually not really spent anything on the property. I've spent the bank's money. Yeah, and the bank's lending me at three point seven percent, and I'm making twelve percent. That's a good deal. It is, and it's it's um, it's all these uh, simple things that really doesn't don't don't take a lot to um to rectify that will make yeah. a difference. 
I mean, the, the other thing as well is a lot of people think it's like, God, you can't do that all the time, really. And it's like, but you, you've got to understand everybody watching out there. This is what businesses do. Yeah, They take someone else's money, like the bank. They then reinvest it in capital expenditure and improvements for their business so they can produce something in order to sell it at a higher cost, in order to make the profit, the differential, which is the profit. That's the that's the law of business. So why would that not work with buy to let as well? If you apply the same logic, absolutely. And everybody thinks this is a new thing. This has been going on since time began, since people first rolled the first wheel out and chipped a wee stone wheel and thought, "Hey, we've, we've invented our wheel." Yeah, no, I totally agree, um, and I think a lot of good points made there that. There are simple changes you could make to, to make things work. Um, I think as well as obviously speaking to the tenant and, and establishing what their take on the property is, it's important to obviously explore the history of the property itself. Um, let's just talk to tenants, sorry. Um, so, yeah, explore the history of the property. And as you'll be uh, taking over a property as a new landlord, you'll need to know the calibre and performance of the tenants you're getting request a schedule of their rental payments and see if they've always been on time. And I think that's a, that's a really important one. Uh, and I think whether it's a, a landlord that's managing it or an agent, you need to speak to them and establish what the kind of um, state of play is with their rental payments, how consistent they are and how committed they are to being on time and, and paying their rent. Anyone can hit a bump in the road now and then, but it's good to know if it's a one-off or a regular thing if people are missing rental payments. Ask the current landlord or the managing agent who uh, for written details on any maintenance issues during the tenancy and whether all repairs are complete. And that's one thing that you don't want to pick up a property that's got ongoing maintenance or underlying maintenance issues that maybe you kind of see to the naked eye when you're, when you're doing a view. And one important thing that I say is, is when, and we've seen this before, Jim, but when tenants leave a property, that's when a lot of things uh, become uh, apparent. So when a tenant's in place and there's furnishings in place and things, a lot of maybe issues that are underlying won't be visible and maybe won't be apparent to you and then if you're purchasing it you're taking on those without without any knowledge so it's really important to to do that uh, research and, and and kind of get in there with the the landlord or the agent that's managing it and, and ask them as much questions as you can yeah. and, ask, and ask them to provide, provide that evidence that the property um is compliant they pay the rent there isn't any repairs outstanding and for any that are still pending Find out whether they'll be finished uh, before you can complete, and that's in, in reference to repairs. Or you can negotiate the cost of them off the agreed price that you pay for it. Well, uh, we've seen it the now, when you think about it, and Cooper, the ones that I've just bought. Yeah. You know, we've just talked about it. The classic example is I was well aware before we started that there was no EICR and there was no uh, gas safe certificate. Yeah. And yet they had a tenant in that property. And it's like, that's, that's appalling. But, but I had done my due diligence. You know, and I was like, okay, I'm fine. I, I mean, I bought the property. I mean, I bought the two properties for probably about twenty grand under the home report value. Yeah. Um, and and it was a good exit for them anyway because they'd held them for years, so they've made a decent return and decent income. Um, and fair enough, the tenant I was taking over has a lower rent than what was market value, but it's not the end of the world. You know, I'm I'm fine with that. It's a comfortable return. It's um, it could it could get better later on. Um, there's a few improvements I want to do to the property over time. Um, but it's the key about putting people in and actually doing the improvements as you go. You know, yeah. I, I mean, a lot of a lot of tenants are happy to move into a property 
um, and it's and it's nice and it's presented and it's ready to move into on the premise that possibly you know um, I tell you what though over the over the years what we'll do is we'll start um, I mean you've got double glazing in every property but when I first started there was no double glazing in any properties it was never a thing I mean you're talking about thirty years ago and then was that I used to say to people like okay we'll be doing the double glazing over a period of time and um, the kitchen's fine now. It's livable, but at some point in time we'll do that as well, and bathrooms and stuff like that. So, so on, and so forth, and uh, and just just improve as you go. It's a yeah. classic strategy to do, but finding out what it's like before you actually buy it, if it's got a sitting tenant, is one of the most important things because you could get caught out big time. Can't yeah. you? I mean, if, if there's things outstanding that do need, I mean, if you're looking at a property and maybe it's partially double glazed or it's not got double glazing yet. I know that's not so common now, but these are all things that you could use as a negotiating tool on the price that you're going to purchase it for. But I think it's important to then go to the tenant and say, look, I'm going to be taking this over. I look to obviously improve this to a certain level as we progress through the tenancy. So can you give, give them that reassurance to stay in place and that you're going to obviously sort things and, and, and build, like I say, trust with them. If they've got trust in the fact that they, oh, this, this person's going to take over the property and I'm going to get X, Y, and Z done over time, it might make them feel a lot more comfortable and a lot more happier in it as a home and not just um, yeah. a rental to them. And that, I think that's an important thing as well. And equally important, it's, it's worth actually, you know, you've said yourself, it's worth actually visiting the property, yeah. you know, and actually actually seeing how the tenant lives. Um, I mean, you know, let's be honest. I mean, no everybody no everybody's as fastidious and as, uh, as hygienic as, uh, as some of us are. Um, therefore, um, but they've been in the property for years and years and years, and it is their home, and it's how they live. You're not there to dictate how they live um, um, from day to day, as mm. long as they're not on a social, and they, look, and they don't damage the property. But, you know, the standard of living, the cleanliness has got nothing to do with you, um, really, um, and and that's what you should be taking into account. So that's why you should maybe consider when you're refurbing the property, do you really want to refurb to high standard, or is there another? Is there a middle standard, yeah, between, you, yeah. or is it just basic that you're needing to do because of the type of tenure you've taken over? Yeah, yeah, I think like you say, that's a good point. That people's levels and standards of cleanliness and things are different, and and you can't even micromanage how somebody lives and how yeah. and make them keep their property as clean as maybe what you would or. Um, I mean, as long as a property is not to a standard where it's unsanitary, I think you need to let yeah. live. I, don't, I remember, I remember the time that, and this is years ago. I don't think this happens now, but I remember the time people used to phone up and go, "The guy's removing your kitchen and taking it away in a van." <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? It's like, but it wasn't in my house actually. It says, "No, no." He said, "Oh, right. I thought it was your. I thought it was your one." And I thought, oh, "Good, I know that landlord. I better phone him now." And and that was that was that was kind of how it was when I was when yeah. in the early days for us because it was a completely unregulated market. Um, you, we were we were pretty green in what we did. We didn't understand how this worked, and it was learning as you go and and gaining all that experience and knowledge over a period of time. This is why I say it's like if you if you got somebody with a track record of thirty years, how could you how could you say that's no worth something and that yeah. value and that experience? Because it's 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 all the time now. Thirty years as a letting agent is a different story if you've just done the same thing day in day out for a for a, for every single year because then you've only got one year thirty times. Mm -hmm. um, that's it. But what I mean is 30 years of experience of buying and selling and buying and selling and moving different tenants in and out and also running tenancies and refurbing and improving and, and the finance aspect as well. So it's all that knowledge and expertise, uh, you know, bottled up, so to speak, yeah. into that concentrated, concentrated, uh, um, you know, um, I don't know what you call it, um, the river of life or whatever it's called. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you'll never get this from anybody else. 
No, uh, and I can't a price on uh, the knowledge that could be drawn for experience like that. Um, it can't, and, and it can't be replicated because no one else could catch up with you. Because even though if you're improving all the way and all the way throughout, and it's like what I say about, you know, the state business, I've been social media for two years now, and everybody's like just entering the social media now, and it's like, you know, I was, I'll, I'll always be two month, two years ahead of you exactly, because yeah. I'm still learning every single day and every single week with mastermind groups for social media, so I understand how it all works and where it's all going and how it's all improving. So no matter what you do, you'll never catch up with me because I'm always still running, and it's the same with the buy-to-let business. You know, if, if, if you've got the experience and knowledge and understanding and constantly honing and developing your skills and your talents and growing all the time and learning from other people about new strategies, and new new ways and technology, then no one will ever catch up with that experience. You can't put a price on that because no, that, is, that is literally your income and your retirement for some people. Yeah, and if you keep that continual uh, momentum of obviously learning and, and developing, and if you're at that certain level and, and keep yourself out there in front of everybody else, then you'll be successful. And I think that's that's the key. Um, so I also, just to touch back on the, the, the topic we said about, obviously, you purchasing this property with uh, without the, the proper certificates and things in place, it brings us to final topic, which is um, checking the paperwork. Um, and again, that obviously comes down to making sure that the property is compliance and also the things that should be in place when you take over. I mean, one of the benefits of purchasing a property that's already a, a rental is that it's instantly ready to go. But then you could have hidden costs where you need to then make it compliant so that you safeguard yourself. And I think um, this covers it quite well. So while everything will be revealed in the conveyancing process, we recommend getting a, as much information as possible before instructing a, slip, a solicitor to proceed. Review the tenancy agreement for the terms of the rental, Standard contracts usually follow a form, but it's always worth reading the small print. Check that the inventory was created and signed at the check-in. That's an important one. And whether a security deposit was taken and where it is held. Again, a really important. Um, tenants are obligated to sign new agreements or inventories when the property they live in changes ownership. So it's important to know how accurate and comprehensive the paperwork is at an early stage. And finally, ask to see copies of valid gas, electricity, and fire safety certificates to ensure that everything is up to date and complies with current regulations. Do the same for furniture that, in, that is included to see if you need to replace any items. So that's that's a good one as well, I think, because if you're purchasing a property with a tenant in place, maybe not all the furnishings there belong to the tenant, and you might not be aware mm -hmm. of that. And you could be taking on responsibility for sofas and, and, and other items that need to have fire safe tickets and, and, and things like that. so you need to make sure they're all in place as well and i think as, as we go through this list there's, there's more and more things that you need to be aware of and things that you need to do and things that you need to check and if you're a new investor to the market maybe you don't know all this so again it's important to have people that yeah. know all the things to look for and go in well, and do i got caught out with it recently yeah you know um and cooper it's like you know, the, 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 the washing machine's gone it's like well it's no wire washing machine i i is Oh, I'm not your job. I never checked. Uh, it's like uh, I should have taken it. I should have taken it out. And, you know, fair enough. And the tenant gets a new washing machine while we, you know, yeah. I can take it. It's uh, that's 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 why I say about charging the right amount of rent. And I go back to that to make sure when you do take something over the, with that, that you're, you're no left out and, and, and haven't outlay money from the little money you've made so far because you've no charged the right rent level. Yeah. Again, that's another one I got caught out with recently. It's like I've had a guy with me for 20 years 
and I've done his kitchen, I've done his heating, I've done his double glazing. And then it was like, I, you've got to do the bathroom, your bathroom or I'm moving out. And it's like, well, what about the 20,000 pound and rent you got away with over the last 20 years? Yeah. <laughs> it was charging you the one bedroom rate rather than the two. Um, and it's like, that almost didn't account for anything as far as he was concerned. And I'm like, well, if you had given me that money, you would have got your bathroom by now. So I'll certainly review it later on. But I'm, I'm pointing out the obvious. Um, so it is making sure that you know paperwork that you're charging the right rent, that you're getting the right return, that you could put that back in. Inventory is clear as well. You can't get caught out in it, but for somebody like me, you know yourself that you know um, I've not got all the time in the world to go and check a washing machine. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's easy to miss simple things like that. But that's just that's just a prime example. James says there, I've just taken back one of my properties from another agent because they weren't on top of the compliance. Is that one you're going to be bringing? with us then james uh, that'll be well well i'll expect to see that one then <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean again that's just a prime example of um properties not being up to the standard they are and quite and concerningly enough there is a lot of these properties that are actually managed by agents i mean yeah. this is one of the, the the most paramount things that we we operate on is making sure the property is compliant and i think a lot of maybe landlords and, and probably agents think oh god it's a bit of farce we have to do all this and do all that and, and it, is, it is difficult, I think, but as long as you keep it in a methodical, thought process, right, you need to do this, 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 and keep it just as a checklist. It keeps you, um, it keeps you on track. It keeps everybody, uh, obviously, in, in line with what the legislation is. And I think it's good, like, Jim, you, you look back on, um, like, the early days, like you say, people were uninstalling your kitchen and taking it with them, and we, we, there wasn't any regulations, there wasn't anybody policing things as such. Um, so as much as maybe people think that the compliance and the legislation is a pain, it keeps things above board and it keeps everybody yeah. around. And I do well, think it's the right way. At that time, we didn't have the proper referencing process as well. You know, we didn't have anything like that. Yeah, absolutely, James. Um, are you open one day? James, we're open all the time. <laughs> even, though the are, even though the offices are only open, we're still on the phones all the time. Eh? Yeah. But yeah, and that's, that's the main thing I think about um, compliance and legislation. Uh, and I think it is. I mean, a lot of people might think it's a hindrance. I find it quite interesting sometimes to make sure that you're you're keeping up to date, that you're in, that you're in the know and you're knowledgeable about it. I think people um, respect that and, and, and appreciate that when you go to them and and kind of set it straight to them and explain it clearly to them. When oh, look, look at the worst case scenario: the tenant dies because yeah. um, because of gas, carbon dioxide poisoning, um, uh, and you've not had your gas certificate done properly or it's out of date. Um, you're going to jail as a landlord. The landlord's going to jail. The letting agents are going to jail. It's the landlord that goes to jail because that's what the legislation says. It's yeah. a landlord's responsibility to make sure that everything's up to date. Uh, the letting agent is only providing a service. So, you know, um, so it is ultimately buck stops with the landlord. So this is why you have to make sure everything's in place and you have to tick all these boxes. It's it's essential um, to make sure of that and, and it complies with current regulations and keep going like that as well. Uh, you you know we've got we've got current white papers going through the Scottish Parliament just now um, for reviews and possibly uh, capping rents and stuff like that as well. So there's a lot of there's a lot of legislation out there that could be coming in a raft of stuff that's coming on the horizon that people are completely unaware of and they're making decisions now and buying investment properties without realising this is on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things. There's, uh, if you're purchasing, you need to be aware of not just the current implications, but things that are that are like you see on the horizon or in the pipeline. Um, 
So well, when I first started many years ago, I always said it, and I used to stand up at the landlord meetings when I ran them and uh, for Fife Landlords, and uh, I used to say, one day we will be licensed as landlords. We will be asked to register. And uh, oh, lo and behold, um, and everybody laughed. And I said, no, it's coming at some point in time. And everybody laughed, and I went, no, nah, that'll never happen. And it's like, well, we've got landlord registration, and yeah. you have to comply with it, whether you like it or not. They're starting to do audit checks as well, don't they? Yeah, they do. Every, every new or renewal of applications, they, they audit 10% of them. And on that audit, they'll ask you for all the yep. relevant certificates. They even ask you for your tenancy agreement you're using. Um, and, and they want all that information, and, and you want to get your registration without it, um, yeah. which is a good thing. Which I've just added, I've just added mine on the now, you know, so yeah. I've just done an update a couple of days ago to, to add mine on to my existing registration yeah. um, to make sure everything's compliant with the with the law. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you'll get the, you'll get the charlatans out there that get away with this sometimes, Scott Free, and it's no fear. And you start yeah. think, how on earth are they getting away with this? Who's meant to be policing it? Well, nobody's policing it, to be honest. Landlord registration is just a reactionary body. Um, so you have to voluntarily register, and now and again they'll chib you if they find out about it or if somebody reports you. Um, so, you know, dare I say it, and I'm, I couldn't care less about this grass mentality, if you know a landlord isn't compliant with what they're doing and they're deliberately breaking, breaking the law, then you should be reporting them to landlord registration yeah, um, because, because it's your duty. It's like mm. there's people out there getting a poor service. They're not getting the right thing. Their safety is at risk as well. Um, and you have a duty of care. So if if you can, you must. You know, mm. that's what it really comes down to. We shouldn't have that mentality, but we still do. Even I've still got it, you know, about this, oh, we shouldn't tell on other people. It's like, no, if they're breaking the law, they should be. I think when it comes down to safety and safety tenants, and especially when it's putting my life at risk, and, and it is, and it really is. If you, I mean, carbon monoxide and, and uh, smoke detectors and things could save someone's life, and if they're not in place, it's really risking people's lives. Well, look at look at the if the truth had come out in the first place about Greenfield. Yeah, I know. No, it's like if it had come out in the forefront and everybody had beat that drum, then then they wouldn't they wouldn't be here now. They'd be here. Um, wouldn't have this catastrophe. Um, so I think it's important just to just to um, you know, swallow your pride or whatever it's called, and just get on with it and report them to the authorities. Yeah, and I think it's good as Equally for landlords and equally for tenants as well. It works both ways. It does, definitely does. And I think as well as landlord registration, we have letting agent registration now as well. So as letting agents, we need to have uh, be registered and, and make sure that we are obviously operating and under the, the legislation. And, and another reassurance is if you're using a reputable letting agent who's registered and things, we won't list the property without a landlord providing the landlord registration number. So do you know what I mean? It works, it works in, a, in a system like that. Um, well, for example, for anybody out there, if you see an advert for a for a landlord advertising a property for let, whether it's a gum tree or not, if they've not got a landlord registration number attached to that advert, they're not complying with the law. They're immediately breaking the law. Yeah, because you, you can't advertise without it being displayed. Uh, and that's an important thing. And it's a telltale sign to pick up on and, landlord. And, and you, should all, you should also check the leg- registration number against the register, which is landlordregistrationscotland.gov.uk. Yeah. Um, and you check them just to see because they could be picking up my registration just using it and pretending that they're you know they've got one yeah so i i think it's important to make sure that it's actually valid as well i think um when we touch on the responsibility of the the landlord having like say gas safety and things in place and if they're not the the the, the buck stops with the landlord basically even if you've got a um an agent in place 
So I think it's important to have a lot of trust in your agent and, and yeah. that they are uh, capable and competent of actually carrying out your procedures with them, obviously yeah. in compliance and things as well. What was that, James? Did you? Uh, he's seen it loads of times where he's seen yeah. no landlord registration number of that on it. Um, you know, so that it's 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 all over the place. I mean, yeah. folk are getting away with this, and and it's not right for the people that are actually complying with the legislation. I go on about this all the time about the fact that you know, and I go on about it. To, this is why places like shelter exist because they're protecting the tenants' rights because there's there's a, a minority, and I'm talking about minority. I'm talking about like when I worked out, it was like point. Zero, zero, yeah. one percent of the landlord population in the whole of Scotland that are actually not doing things right. Um, so it is a minority, but unfortunately, these are the ones that make it to the news headlines, which end up penalising the majority for yeah. being good at what they do. Hence, the reason why we get rent controls when actually probably the majority of rents are actually a lot lower. But rent controls don't worry about it. Rent controls are going to come in, but I don't think they're going to be as high as. They're going to be high, you know. It's like to stop really high rents. Yeah. I mean, you, you're not telling me you could put a control on a rent which is set at the local housing allowance rate, which is the average medium, um, which the rent assessor sets across five. So they're they're not going to put a curtail on below that because then wait a minute, that's the amount that you're setting. That's no us. So it's only extortionate cases. Um, that's that's going to be in place. So it's nothing really to worry about. Um, as long as you understand it and understand the process. Yeah, and I mean, like you say, it is a small minority, but they are out there. Um, I think um, the thing to reiterate is have have a trustworthy agent um, or be or be knowledgeable and, and have things in place uh, yourself. All right, check the paperwork. And for God's sake, I mean, if you're taking over from another landlord, make sure you get a tenancy signed beforehand. Oh, yeah, um, that's, yeah. that's really what it comes down to. Um, so it's in your name. So you've got proper tenure rights and the tenant's got proper yeah, tenure yeah. Yeah. Because if you take over another landlord's um, uh, thing, it, it automatically defaults to the Scots Assured Tenancy, um, which has more powers um, for a tenant. Um, so you're, you're, you're leaving yourself in a limb. Yeah. Yeah. And just to touch on what James says, obviously, he often sees the advertisements without the landlord registration or the letting agent registration. If you look at an example at any other letting property, we have landlord registration number, our uh, registration number, we have we even have the EPC rating in there and writing as well as the actual EPC because that needs to be displayed as well in all advertisements for rental properties. Yeah. And I see that a lot. Um, I mean, the landlord registration or what may, may be there, but they don't show the EPC. And that's something as well that needs to be needs to be displayed and as part of the listing as well. Absolutely. Good. That's an hour. I don't have rabbit on it. Yeah. I know. Yeah, but I think I think these these are all good topics and I think you've brought a lot of good um a lot of good information to the table. And I think what I would reiterate to everybody that um Please feel free to come to us to speak about any of the topics that we've covered today. Any advice, uh, James? I'll wait on your call about your property that we're going to be managing for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll get, I'll get him first. I'll phone him now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it's been a good, it's been a good hour. Uh, time flies, but um, yeah, that's been great. So thanks for joining me this morning, Jim. You're welcome. All right, uh, and we'll end it there. So yeah, thanks, everybody. Have a great Saturday. I think the weather's to pick up a wee bit later, so enjoy the weekend. Hopefully it'll burn through and, and that'll be fine. Um, yeah, absolutely. We're in the position where, um, as I said, you, you give us a call, speak to us, uh, message us direct if you want. This is all confidential and private. We could go over things for you and uh, and and give you a full belts and braces assessment of where you are, what you can do, and how you could build a portfolio or how you could just take on one or two properties with passive income. 
Um, because yeah. you're not getting anything anywhere else. Pension funds are rubbish. That's that's really that's really what it comes down to. Alrighty. Okay. okay. Bye for now, guys. Bye, everybody.